This is Bill. A few weeks ago, we here at Combustible saw an essay being shared on social media. It was written by a former Birmingham firefighter named George Cowgill, and it was a sometimes tender, sometimes heartwarming, and sometimes brutal account of his time in the fire service and his reasons for leaving it now. Hatch and I interviewed George by phone on the night of November 9th. It had only been about 20 days since he first posted his essay, but it had gone viral, which is a testament to the power of it. But what kind of drew us in was the fact that so many firefighters had shared what he wrote. As George described the arc of his career, we're sure many firefighters like us remembered some of the similar calls that we've been on, and some of us probably identified with the emotion in what he wrote. There is a strange familiarity to his words. And after our interview with him, Hatch and I felt like we knew him, even though we'd only just met. Maybe that's the fire service in a nutshell. Maybe we're all part of the same story. That's why it's so familiar. Our interview with George is coming up in a few minutes, but in case you haven't read Resigning, Retiring, and Leaving the Birmingham Fire Department, here's George Cowgill in his own voice. Resigning, Retiring, and Leaving the Birmingham Fire Department by George Cowgill, October 2022. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. And I use those lyrics as covered by the Sex Pistols and given with the snarl of one Sid Vicious, not Sinatra. Anyway, for the past few months, I've been on sabbatical from the fire department, trying to decide what I wanted, what I should do, and if that part of my life was who I was anymore. I've decided. And Sid Vicious, he overdosed and died when I was in kindergarten, 1979. I've had a gun held to my head, literally, and a cop shot the man holding it four times in the chest before that man could pull the trigger. And if he hadn't, I wouldn't be saying this now, I'd be rotting in a graveyard. Another time, open season had been declared on the Birmingham police. Me, standing over an East Lake overdose in a Section 8 parking lot, pushing Narcan, and a semi-automatic weapon rained down bullets. I dove behind the apartment's exterior staircase. The lead hit the pavement around us. It sounded like bouncing marbles. The cop with us that night quit, never came back to work. I delivered a baby once in an upstairs bathroom near Legion Field. A year later, my friend Bryant made sure we didn't forget her birthday, and we went to a party they had for her in an open field. Nothing felt more like it mattered. I once walked into a house full of children's squatters, no one older than 16. The house didn't have power, instead huge piles of trash, and the kids used their phone lights to lead us to a back bedroom. We found the 14-year-old mother lying in a pile of trash, her newborn next to her still connected by the umbilical cord also lying in a pile of trash. The mother was texting on her phone and inconvenienced. She told us she discovered that she was pregnant when the child started to cry out of her. No one cares. I've worked alongside gods, some of the best people on this planet, men and women so genuine it doesn't make sense. Dedrick Hope, that last sentence is for you. I've worked alongside child molesters, pedophiles, and sexual predators. These things tend to only come out after the fact, true nonetheless. I've been stuck with a heroin-emptied needle a few moments after I'd been in the arm of the man overdosing right outside the Anchor Motel. They ran a bunch of tests on me, and I never heard anything else about it, and that was seven years ago. I jogged two miles uphill on Ruffner Mountain on a bad right hip to find a young girl ready to take her own life. She was pretty and 23 and oh so serious. She'd left detailed goodbye letters to her loved ones on the dash of her car. Out of breath, we talked for forever, 
and made promises to give life another look. I've gone to one, two, three firefighter suicide funerals. One was a good friend who hung himself on Christmas Eve. This past year, I met his son, who's now in the fire department, and I cried my eyes out. I've carried a five-year-old girl out of a burning building. No one cares. I've broken up bloody dog fights. My frayed outlook on humanity it tends to put cats and dogs on a pretty high pedestal. I've been attacked. Ten on one, five on one, one on one. I just laughed. I drove a fire engine through my neighborhood on Halloween, handing out candy to the packs of costumed children. They looked at us like gods. I've carried the bodies of dead children, car accidents, domestic accidents, SIDS. Every time, it was as awful as it sounds, maybe worse. I got promoted. I got demoted. I've seen so many people overdose and die. So many. Too many. Die like Sid Vicious. I've been drug tested countless times. Dozens, hundreds, who knows? No one cared that I'm straight edge. Since day one, circa 2006, I've been assigned to the busiest fire stations in the great state of Alabama. Station 19, Station 14, Station 21. 24-hour hauls every third day. I walked around like a zombie for most of the days that followed each shift. I've dug through soot and ash on my hands and knees for the burned remains of an infant, left behind to die by her father. When we first got there, the flames were two stories higher than the roof, lighting up the Kingston sky. I've worked under chiefs that could be kings, men that can back up every task, every order with their own actions. I've worked under chiefs afraid of fire, justifying it with bizarre and unjust orders. I've been suspended for wrecking a fire engine, for starting an IV, and for disobeying orders, and for disobeying orders, and another time for disobeying orders. I love fire. I've laughed at all the wrong times to keep from falling apart. I wrote the history of the Birmingham Fire Department, and it was printed in a book. I called it The Fight, and I quoted Springsteen. I don't have much fight left. Sixteen years and some change. Will I miss it? Sure, some things. My beautiful friends, who I lived with every third day and fought with in the trenches. And I'll miss carrying on the legacy of my father, a veteran warrior with Birmingham for 23 years. But it's time for me to go. I'd always promised myself that I'd step away when I was no longer in love with firefighting. Does that break your heart to read? Because it certainly breaks mine to write it down. And money? It's never been about the money. Never. Ever. There's just so much more I want to do. Write. Family. Black market, hockey, and hockey. In closing, feel free to insert any cliche expression that you feel fits here. Closing chapters, moving on, or some other bumper sticker saying you may know. But for me, it's not about some endless search looking to find some vague meaning of life. It's about continuing to find the meaning of my life. End. We'll laugh like little children telling secrets, probably cry like old women drinking gin. Because I've done my tour of duty, now I'm home, and I ain't leaving here again. Jason Isbell. And now, here's our interview with George Calgill. We are here with uh, George Calgill, uh, who is a former uh, firefighter with uh, Birmingham. Is it Birmingham Fire Rescue or Birmingham Fire Department? Or It's the Birmingham Fire Rescue Service. Birmingham Fire Rescue Service, all right. And... Uh, George, tell us tell us a little bit more about who you are because I know you've you've written some books, 
You've uh, got a blog. You own, uh, I think, two bars. Yes. Um, I'm born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm 49 years old. Uh, second generation firefighter for Birmingham. My dad worked in the same neighborhoods. Uh, he's he, he's still around. We talk every day. He, he's a great guy. He did uh, 23, 24 years for Birmingham. Retired back in the late 90s. Uh, I got on with Birmingham at about 2006. And uh, about the same time, I started deciding I, I had a bartending background my whole life. I bartended in waited tables. And at the time that I got on the fire department, I was leaving a job at a restaurant. And I'd already decided that I was going to own my own place. So we started working on that. And it it was rough. But it actually, my first, my first bar opened up the same time when I was in rookie school. And uh, it just sort of worked out that way. So we sort of morphed that one bar into two bar and grills. They're full restaurants, and they're called Black Market Bar and Grill. Shoot, what else? That's I have to uh, say that's you're you're the first person I've heard has opened a bar restaurant during rookie school. Yeah, no doubt. That that's a really chaotic time to try and pull a venture like that off. You, you have you have no idea what that was 16, 17 years ago, and it was so difficult that everything now and since then time management wise people were, Oh, how do you work restaurants and firefight? It was a, that's a cakewalk compared to doing it in rookie school. <laughs> Cause man, they wanted us in the park. They wanted us in the parking lot at 6 30 AM. Yeah. And, and we were doing last call at one thirty two in the morning and I, I didn't miss a day. I mean, I, I shudder to think what I looked like <laughs> and I, yeah, my eyes. I don't know how so, you did that. Cause yeah, I mean, no I, I, yeah, I had a very regimented, I, I didn't have anything else that was, uh, kind of competing for my attention while I was in rookie school. And, and that was very much to my benefit. Did the organization know that you had a bar? Uh, I, they did. They <laughs> did. Um, they, they were always wet. I, I don't drink. Uh, I don't smoke. I haven't done any of that stuff since, since junior high. So I never gave them, you know, I didn't come in hung over. I come in tired, but right. you know, a quart of coffee and then I just get through it. Right. Um, one thing that really saved me, I think, was I went into rookie school as an EMT, and I was the only one in the class. So those guys, and they, 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 I had to sit there every day, but I didn't have to, you know, I, mean, so I, I was already to, an EMT. You had so to go to there. EMT school, but you didn't have to do anything. Right. It was in rookie school. So for six weeks, there was that. So I could just sit, I mean, I couldn't sleep, but I didn't, I just sort of zoned out. And, I mean, you know. Wow. But uh, I got lucky on that regard. So, but uh, was it your was it your father that that kind of got you into firefighting? I I grew up, yes. He he never really pressed it on me. And my mom, I love you know they're still married. Uh, they've been married I don't know a hundred years, but they uh, <laughs> they they were always supportive, but they never really pushed it on me. And I remember my dad and I when I told him, I always knew eventually I would end up doing it you know i was in a band and just bartending and, and and stuff like that and i was like i knew eventually that i would get my act together i always wanted to be a firefighter because okay. you know i grew up worshiping him he was a was is still will be a hero i mean my god no mask going into fires pulling people out with a cigarette in his mouth i'm not, I'm not joking right and those guys you know those old heads they did it they did it differently they really did. Yeah. When, so. As a rookie, I was the only one on, on at my station that didn't smoke, I think. Yeah. That, that was like the, you know, that was just the thing. 
I know. I just, uh, fortunately, I never picked up that habit from him. But, uh, yeah, I always knew I was going to do it. So, so, but you chose to do it with the same department that he did. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that I'm assuming that was a conscious de- decision. Sure, sure. And, and, you know, with a weird name like mine, I'm the third, actually. So we have the same name. So, we're, you know, we're both George Calgill. And so, you know, when people, when I went in, a lot of the guys he'd worked with were like, George is coming back. And like, no, it's his idiot son with the, you know, the tattoos. And, <laughs> um, I loved it, you know. It's like, I mean, what else, you know, late 20s kid, you know. It, it's what I, it was what I was supposed to do. Well, what was it so, like following in those footsteps? I mean, was there a, were you kind of in his shadow? It was, but I, I'd learned, someone told me aside in, in rookie school that, you know, he's a, he turned out to be a chief at the time. He's a lieutenant. He's like, look, he's just like, just do whatever they tell you. Okay, you clean the bathroom, no problem. They want you to cook, no problem. I mean, you guys have been around the firehouse. There's those guys that want to be a part of it and, and do their share and get that reputation as, I'll do whatever you tell me. I may screw up, but I'm going to, I'm going to do my best. Right. Do something. I want to do something. I don't want you to stand around. So I, I really went at it with that. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather screw up and as opposed to just standing there and not trying. So, you know, he, he had a really good reputation. He got along with everyone and, and I've got, I've got sort of that personality too. I, I tried my best to get along with everyone and, you know, Oh, you guys haven't met me. I'm like, man, I'm head and toe covered in tattoos. I'm, I'm bald. I look like an ex-wrestler. That's what I always tell people I look like. So <laughs> I don't look like I'll be as nice and, and soft as I am, but I'm going to push over. All right. Oh, it's just window dressing, huh? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, like porcupine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neither one of us are uh, second-generation firefighters, so I've always kind of, you know, be interested in that, like, the mindset of somebody going in, knowing that they're following somebody, you know, like your dad who may you looked up to and you, I assume you uh, assumed that the department did, or that may, he may be kind of a little bit of a legend or you didn't want to hurt his reputation. So did that Absolutely. give you like any anxiety going in of like, man, anything I do that I screw up, you know, it's going to kind of, you know, weigh on him as well. You know, did that give you anxiety going in? It, I didn't really worry about it just as much because I, I just, I just went in with the mentality that I'm going to work as, as hard as I humanly can. I mean, I, I'm not like, I didn't grow up being like this super overachiever, but once I got in that fire department stuff, I, I was really into it. I was, you know, I believed in it. I believe that the job, I still do, that the job matters. Right. You know, I've worked so many jobs where it's like, if I don't show up to work today, you know, what's going to happen? You know, it's like they're going to need another server or, you know, some tables aren't getting bust, but you get that job and like, you have to go because it matters. It, you know, so that that gave me more anxiety just knowing that once I got past that, I remember laying in bed on the stations. You know, when you first get on, you start sleeping. These little cots they got for you, you know, knowing that that bell could ring and it could be, you know, assisting an old woman or that bell could ring and it could be a, a three-story house file with children in it. Yeah. You, you never knew. Right. So I really had to start controlling that anxiety to, you know, and no matter what they threw at you, I had to get up as fast as I could and get on that engine. So I, I think young guys, I think that's something they really have to master coming on. Well, now you're absolutely right. Yeah. I always say we, we kind of get the master class and being able to wing just about anything we show up. We've never seen it before, but man, we got a plan on how we're going to take care of it. Uh, absolutely. And, and it's, it's not just fire. It's, I mean, you got, you guys are in Atlanta. I mean, it's a, that's a tough town. I mean, Birmingham, we're, we're a tough town. 
I mean, it, murders and everything. And you have to get on there and anticipate seeing something that you're not going to be able to forget easily because it's so traumatic. And it, not fire, just violence. That, you know, and I have so many friends, after I wrote that article, they were like, I didn't know you guys did all that. I thought I just went to fires. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> uh, we, we go pretty much everything. Yeah. You know, so I know you, I know you guys have gotten that, surely. Yeah, I was telling Bill during dinner though, I get more PTSD from what administration has asked me to do than what, I, what calls I've been on. <laughs> I, I think that. Well, what do you? What's your rank? What do you? Uh, battalion chief. Oh, get out of town! Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, no, no, it's, no. It's uh. Bill's a deputy chief. It's even worse. <laughs> and you guys, one of my best friends, battalion chief, uh, Michael Israel, and uh, yeah, we talk every day. He, he's a yeah, he's still like he's a he's a really good guy, and he's still a fighter. It's hard to keep him out of fires and stuff. I mean, it's it's one of them. Shoot, yeah, I get that completely about administration. I just uh, especially at that level, you guys are at. It has to be more political. I was just I just made it to lieutenant, and it was eating me alive. You know, yeah. So. Well, you mentioned in what you wrote, you you know, there's a, a particularly poignant part where you said, you know, I got promoted and then you immediately followed that with, I got demoted. Yeah. Was that a, um, uh, no, go ahead. Well, I mean, it was it, I've, I've known people that have stepped down on purpose because they didn't, it didn't turn out to be what they thought it was going to be, but that's not, that didn't sound like that was kind of what you were writing. It, it sounded like no. that was kind of forced on you. No, it, uh, I was promoted. And then this is about the time I'd gone on sabbatical. They'd, decided that my paperwork was hadn't been in order and I shouldn't have been promoted. And it had been, you know, and I proved it's been in order. And I mean, it's kind of boring and they demoted me. And then in the appeals, uh, pretty much around the time that they decided that they, they rescinded it. So they were going to reinstate or un, undemote me. Is that a word? I don't even know. Golly. I mean, that, that was the plan, but you know, and my lawyer talked to them and they were like, would you be willing to just set, you know, be undemoted and go back and miss out on the $17 that, you know, I missed in a few months of promotion money. And I said, sure, but I'll be honest with you, I'd already made up my mind by then that I was going to leave. I was like, it really just seems like a lot of work to, uh, you know, okay. from leaving anyway. So. Gotcha. Well, George, it sounds like, I mean, you definitely got a love for the, for the job. And uh, what you wrote, I mean, you've you've definitely uh, experienced some of the more dramatic elements of firefighting and, and all of the other stuff that we do um, on some of these calls that we go on. And, you know, with as much as you obviously love the job, can you, I mean, you've, you've kind of laid it out in what you wrote, but I mean, can you talk a little bit more about how you, how you came to that decision that it was time to leave? It, it, I didn't want to do anything in haste. So a few months ago, when it was really weighing on me that maybe this part of my life had run its course, I didn't want to just say I quit or put in my two weeks notice. So I went, I talked to my doctor, you know, I got on FMLA and I said, listen, I, you know, you know, I was having trouble sleeping. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, I was really considering leaving. But I did again, I didn't want to do it in haste. So I took a couple of months FMLA and I really thought about it. And the time away from it, I just I felt like this weight had been lifted from my shoulders. The worrying about going, you know, you go twenty four hours and they've got you locked down 
and you come home the next day and you walk around like the undead because you didn't sleep that night. Yeah. And then you wake up the next day refreshed, but you've got to prepare for going back the next day. And I'd always said, <clears throat> I think I put this in essay, but I'd always said it aloud to my friends that when I truly wasn't in love with what I was doing anymore is when I was going to step away for a number of reasons. One, for my own sanity and my family's, and two, just if I don't get hurt or get someone hurt because, you know, I'm not in a position where I'm crazy about being a firefighter anymore. And it reached this position that it, it was never about the money and I could step away and I've got the restaurant, that, you know, my wife works. I mean, she's smarter than every firefighter I've ever met combined, you know? So right. it, it's like, <clears throat> it just, my, my tour was over, you know, and no regrets. Um, will I miss it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I'm scared. I've told her this. If I see a house fire, we're pulling over. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll pry. I mean, I've done it before. I'll, I'll, I'll pry a door back. I, I don't care. I'll get my shorts. I don't care. You know, I just uh, there's some things that I'll miss greatly. But it, it was time for me to go. It, it really was. And when when I accepted that fact, it, it felt it was calming. It really was. No regrets. Yeah. Well, you know, I know that wasn't an easy decision and uh, Not at all. how did your, and I've, I, you know, we've read some of the comments on your Facebook page after the, the post that you did. Uh, and there's a lot of support there. I mean, that's, there's a lot of people and I, I don't know if yeah. how many of them are strangers and how many of them, obviously some of what they wrote was very personal. So they, I know that, you know, they know you, but what, you know, how did your family and friends kind of react to your decision? They, uh, my close family, the ones that I, I talk to on a regular basis, my father, my, my wife, uh, my sister, I've got a 22 year old daughter. She's amazing. The, the ones I talk to on a regular basis, they, they were all for it. They were like, if you think it's time to go, we trust your decision. I mean, there's no, you know, I mean, every now and then I'll run to someone like, you sure you can't hang around four more years and, and get the full pension and, and all that. And I was just like, it's time to go now. We suffered a, a really, really tragic loss. We lost my sister-in-law this summer. Uh, she was 24, smart, gorgeous, took her own life. And it just, that happened on, on my sabbatical from work. And I just, you know, I didn't want to, not that I would ever, ever commit suicide, but, you know, the fact that I even thought about it when I would get depressed and see things so bad that it even crossed my mind. I just, I didn't like the dark places my mind went to. And those became more frequent than the optimism that well, I'm here to help these dark places. Right. So, you know, the ones closest to me to get into my head a little bit, got a little more than the, you know, the over the bar answer. And they were very supportive. Right. right. Well, it's good that you had that support. Absolutely. I, again, I don't know, you know, what you wrote came to us on Facebook uh, shared by, at least on my feed, it was shared by another firefighter. Um, and I, I want to say when I looked it up on, uh, AL.com, I think it had 660 something shares as of right now. And you only put it out on October 20th. So, I mean, we're talking, sure. you know, two weeks ago. Um, so I think it's fair to say what, you know, what you wrote really resonated with people. Um, what do you hope that, firefighters in particular and potentially new firefighters get from 
you know, from what you, you put out there? Because I, I mean, there's a, is a lot of firefighters that are reacting to it. Sure. Sure. Um, it didn't like, I, I've been writing for the fire department, but I've, I've always sort of had that governor on being an employee, you know, like I would write things and I would have to be in the back of my mind. Like I don't want to get called, called downtown and explain why I thought this was okay to write, you know, right. or, you know, it, it, it's a strange administration here or it can be. And that was the first piece I wrote that like, I'm going to write what I want to and put it out there. And the reaction I got from so many people was just amazing. And to answer your question, I, I think young firefighters and for any firefighters who are still out there, just that you have to be prepared for so much more than what they tell you to in rookie school. So much more than fire. The, the violence, just the, the meaningless accidents that have cost the lives of so many firefighters that have, not, you know, a small wreck on the highway, you know, the most dangerous place to be a firefighter is the highway. Agreed, agreed. You know, just yeah, someone, 100%. there's uh, so many have been hit here, and uh, a friend of my dad got killed on the highway, just just hit, just on a, a friend had been on the highway working it, and then ran over. And uh, it, besides, what you teach in rookie school is just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many facets of, of human behavior and fire behavior and, and storms. I mean, you guys, you guys have been on a long time. Y'all know it. You've seen it all. I mean, we went to one, a, a tree is, I don't even know how big this tree was. It fell and it pinned this, it pinned a babysitter underneath. The kids had gotten out of the house, crushed the house and she was pinned. And we were out there for about eight hours working. And when all was said and done, we got her out. But one firefighter had gone to the hospital and another one had a heart attack and went to the hospital too. Wow. He survived. But I mean, it's just, they just, they don't tell you how things can get in, in these situations. And, you know, you know. so that's something that uh, I think resonated a lot of the feedback I got from non-firefighter, non-police, non-military was like, I had no idea. And, uh, you know, it was kind of great. You know, I mean, that's the, Smugly say, well, now you do. Uh-huh. But, you, know. <laughs> you know, kind of following up what you said uh, there, you know, you just never know. Uh, everybody has like a different cup of how much they can handle, how much they can see. And you just never know when your cup's going to be full kind of sure. kind of concept. And uh, me and a lieutenant, uh, there was a young crew riding on the engine company and uh, they had gone to uh, had get dispatched to a jumper call at, in a, in a, out of a high rise. And they got, they got canceled. Okay. And uh, but they went anyway because they wanted to see the jumper. And so when they came back, the lieutenant kind of sat them down and we were like, uh, you know, you're going to have a long career here. You never know when you're going to see too much. Don't go looking for it because trust me, there's going to be times when you're not going to have a choice. That time you had a choice, you should have just turned around and come back home. Yeah. They're like, did we do something wrong? I'm like, no, you didn't do anything wrong. I'm just trying to, you know, from an older guy being, have been here a long time, I'm just telling you, you just never know when it's too much for you. Absolutely. In these departments that we're working in, these, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what would be the equivalent. Like, you know, we're Birmingham and we're surrounded by a lot of smaller departments. And fortunately for those guys, they don't see as much, you know. So a lot of them don't, you know, I can't really say. I mean, it wouldn't mean anything to y'all, Best Davia, Homewood. I mean, just, you know, they'll run a couple of calls to shift, you know, much higher demographic. And, you know, they don't see that stuff. So, like, man, that'd be something to see. And I'm like, it, it wears on you. It does. I mean, I, I, I created like 
I tell people I created something that was like my armor, and it was to laugh at things. I mean, they taught us that, you know, coming up to the older heads, it's like, you've got to laugh it off. you got to make jokes that, you know, you can't take to your family because they're not appropriate, you know, just yeah. to be able to, to get through some of the worst things you're going to see. And, and I built that up, and it, it worked for the most part with just humans, but just anything with children would just eat me alive. Yeah. I mean, surely you guys too. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what y'all seen, but the, when bad things happen to children, I, I can't stand it. I can't. I mean, I just, I'll never forget it. I mean, I, every single one I'll remember till I die. Yeah. And uh, it, it's a, you're right. Like, I mean, some of the things, that, you know, I'm not going to make any examples that are, you know, blah, blah, blah. But with your guys, like, wanting to go see that, like, you don't want to go see that. You don't want to see a child die. You don't want to see someone that took his own life and jumped off, you know, a 20-story building, you know. Now, if you're called out there to help, then, then go do your job, but, you know. Yeah, some of the most perplexing looks that I ever got from, from my crew when I was a, a station officer was when we'd be on scene and I would say, we don't need to be here. And, you know, we'd go back in service. And they, they kind of yeah. couldn't. They couldn't understand why I didn't want to be there. Well, we don't need to be here. You know, this is, they don't need us. And this is stuff that we don't need to, you know, let's get back in service. Right. How so, much? Well, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, okay. I'll no, talk a little bit. Uh, so this is Hatch. Uh, so I'm, I'm closing out here on uh, 30 years. Uh, I actually spend my last 12 hours in the station tomorrow. Um, and you Congratulations. Know, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. But uh, that, That's huge. <laughs> I, you don't think so? Thirty years? Uh, yeah, uh, it is. It is. I don't know. It's, it's been fun. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's uh, been a ride. How old are you? Uh, Fifty three. Okay, I'm forty nine. All right. So you know, and one of the things that we talk about leaving is like a lot of your identity is kind of caught up into you know being a firefighter, and you know when people ask me like, what do you do? I tell them, I say, well, I used to be a fireman, you know, because that's kind of the way it is now. You know, I'm not retired yet, but I'm pretty close to it. So. For you, how much of your identity was tied up into you being a firefighter, or do you now see it as like the bar owner or the hockey player? I mean, I, I'd always sort of uh, about a decade when my first book came out about I think it was ten years ago. They they did a bit, they got a little bit of press, especially in the South and Alabama, and you know they would always trip over that I was doing the restaurants and firefighting. So it was just like this jack of all trades thing. I never wanted to be defined by one thing, especially a career. You know, um, it, it was a big part of me. Um, but, and it, again, it's still there. And I mean, you know, you're 53, you're young, you're still like, it'd be hard to not stop and help somebody when you can't off duty or not. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? It's just, it gets in your soul a little bit, but I'd always warn my friend, God forbid I ever dies in any way. I didn't want my funeral to be one of those firefighter funerals. I was like, just because I, you know, I, I wear too many you know, I mean, like you said, hockey and, and the bars and writing and, and family. Like, I'm just I've always tried to be just as diverse as possible. So I didn't want to be defined by any one thing. How much has but, writing? What? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how much? No, has, how much has writing helped you? Or you know what I mean? Is it like I said? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is it cathartic at all? It huge cathartic. I've always felt that. But me writing about things I've seen, especially some of the tragedy, the nonfiction stuff I write, it, it helps me validate having to experience it. It helps me validate the suffering of uh, other people, my own, you know, 
a comprehension of, of trauma and tragedy. So uh, very cathartic. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's just, I've always used it as an outlet to turn to, um, to not go crazy. You know, some of the things I've seen, uh, I wrote one, an article a couple of years ago. I think it, it was published in, I can't remember some magazine. What's the one? Anyway, I'll look it up and tell you what, but it was about an eight year old that was murdered. And, uh, I just, you know, I mean, I remember I couldn't talk for a month, probably that's all I was thinking about. I couldn't sleep. I mean, it was really bad. He'd been beaten to death by his mom's boyfriend, um, inexplicably. And, uh, you know, they, it, it was awful. Yeah. And he never, uh, he, he was never charged. Uh, his skull was crushed in the front and back. I'm, I'm not eight too guys with y'all, but, I don't know. Just I, it took me a long time to write about it, but when I did, I, I felt better. Like you know, just felt like there was a lottery of you know of which murders you know the country would get behind. Like, this is wrong, and which ones we would just ignore. And this was one that was just getting ignored, and I didn't like it. Right. So, well, you did have a, a few points in in you know that the last essay that where you said no one cares. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted, when I was reading it and I've read it a few times now, when I was reading it all of those times, I was, I kind of was asking myself, you know, is that fire service? Is that, or is that, you know, fellow firefighters? Is that administration? Is it the public? Is it a mixture of all of those? I think it's a mix, but when I was writing it, the, the whole, the no one cares, it was just like, my career, especially the administration, it seems like it's sort of turned into like, you know, but what have you done for me lately? Like, I was at Station 21, Station 19, the busy stations, and we were running nationally. Easily, we'd run a 20-call shift up all night. And and I just felt like they are like, oh, that's great. We got mandatory holdovers. And then they would hold people over from the same stations. You know, there's stations that would run two and three calls, and I mean, no one cared that we read twenty calls. They didn't. Right. There was no, there was no relief there. I just, I felt like it was almost like, what have you done today for me? And anything, you know, before that was forgotten. So that was just sort of a. I mean, looking back on, I mean, I'm not gonna change a word of it. I like the essay I wrote, but it did come off a little, uh, I guess, pessimistic. Putting that in there. No, I, I mean, I don't. I, no, no, I mean, you know, I just, it, it, you know that. I don't know. <laughs> I just what what you wrote really touched me, and I, I I'm only asking because I'm I, I am trying to, I guess dig into what your perspective is and and really you know and I mean it's there's a, you've laid a lot out there, uh, so <laughs> I, I'm not I don't mean to sound like I'm like uh, I want you know tell me more but um, no 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 of course not <laughs> but uh, you know it it just there's there's a lot there that really you did a very good job of, of kind of summing up. Uh, and you know, I, I'm, I don't know what you've experienced other than what you've written, but you know, it, the time that I've been in the department, there's a lot of what you wrote that I've found very familiar. And I'm sure Hatch would probably say the same thing. You know, um, you definitely got it in a, in a short period of time. I mean, how many years total were you on? Uh, just under 17. Yeah. Yep. 
So, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I think 30 years is a great thing, but that's just not attainable sometimes, you know? And sure. I, I think what Hatch was saying, you know, we've all got these cups and some of them get filled up really, really early on. Yeah. And it does, you right. know, I, I think people get the misconception that, you know, somebody's more manly, you know, this, that, or that. And that's not the case. No. It, it has nothing to do with that. It's, it's just about processing and, you know, and you've seen calls and they touched you in a certain way. And I, I completely understand that, you know, and that's why I was trying sure. to, that's why I was trying to coach those young guys of like, listen, you just don't know when it's going to be too much. Don't, don't go looking for it. Trust me. There's plenty here. Yeah. There's plenty right, of right. calls you're going to go on. And it'll come to you. It'll you don't come. have to come. You have to go looking for it. It's going to find no, you. It, 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 it will find you. It always does. Too. Yeah. That's what I never, you know, I mean, 30 years, like I said, that's just, that's remarkable and amazing. So again, huge congratulations, but the city, it seemed like it threw everything it had at me. And, uh, you know, again, I loved it. Right. <laughs> I did. I just, I, I loved, you know, making a difference, thinking I was making a difference, trying to make a difference, uh, telling people I was making a difference, you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, So is there anything that could nudge you back into it? Uh, I was trying to look for the quote. I, I, I knew you guys were going to ask that one. Short answer, no. <laughs> but, that's uh, that's, I, I, a, that's no, a perfectly got, good answer. There's so many things. There's so many things I want to write, and I want to open up another black market. We've been talking about that for years, and I want to. I want third location, and uh, you know, I want to spoil this wife of mine and my daughter and all that. Um, uh, yeah, I'm done with the fire service. Uh, I was trying. To, there was a quote. I'm going to paraphrase it. It was from a, one of the Rocky movies where after. He fought, and I think it's the one where he lost, but he fought all the way to the end. It was one of the newer ones. And he said there, and he said, the, the beast is gone. And that's just kind of the way I felt. Right. You know, that beast is gone now to be a firefighter. So we've talked on some previous episodes about the weight of what our careers has been for our spouses. And specifically, we've talked about the fact that at the time, we didn't really realize how much of that was spilling over, you know, I always thought that I was shielding my wife from most of that stuff, but you know, we, we actually had an episode where we sat all of our wives down and, and they had a conversation and it was eye opening because I didn't realize just how much of a, of a, that that lifestyle had a burden on my wife, you know, uh, how ready was your wife for you to be done with this? Extremely ready. Uh, she, uh, she's protective of me as I'm sure you guys wives are too, but like I would try and, you know, when we, when we get called up to a fire, I try and just text her a code or something to know that, you know, that's where I'm going to be next right. four hours on the way over something to let her know. But there, there's been some pretty scary moments and some pretty bad fires where, you know, she's, you know, I'd see him on TV and wait for me to call. I'm all right. But, you know, firefighters are hurt, uh, too alarmed, too alarmed, whatever. And I mean, that, that was weighing on her worrying about the stuff that I was getting into. Right. Uh, just recently we were in a hostage situation. Uh, I mean, this was in April and they had a staging, but when we went in, I mean, there had been multiple, I think two people shot and killed and we took a third woman, young girl with six bullets into the hospital and the families were out there fighting and we had to continue with more violence. And I just, 
it got to the point where just uh, I didn't like seeing what it was doing to her having to worry about me going in these situations. Uh, I'm not even a gun guy, but unarmed, you know, like, right, right. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just like, hey, well, um, but she's she's a, a, a lot better with me not being away every third day, you know, getting God knows what. So. Yeah. Well, I have to say that um, for me, running a bar is just about as terrifying as it could be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I could deal with a lot of the stuff that we deal with on uh, on scenes, uh, but running a bar would just absolutely. I, I don't. I don't even. I wouldn't know where to begin. Well, um, the first one uh, when I opened up the one in rookie school was a, a bar, just a bar, no food, bar. And believe it or not, it was a lot easier. We got, you know, we kind of morphed into the two locations with full menu and, and doing brunches and all that. that that's when it got crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that, the bar, like, you know, someone acts up, we throw them out, see you later, that's it. But now you get into people, you know, the Yelp reviews that, you know, right. you ride a chase soda, you know, whatever. I mean, people would, it just, it got stressful. I mean, I think I've got somewhere around 80 employees now at the locations. Wow. And man, it's, I mean, you guys are cheese. Y'all know about staffing. I mean, just, you know, at least those guys, like, I mean, you know, these, these kids, I mean, you know, it, it's tough. I mean, fortunately for me, I've got wonderful management staff at both of them, right. you know, to kind of just, we, we built that quote, you know, chain of command. <laughs> right. Right. But, uh, so how much of in, that, how much of that does bleed over into you wanting to run the, run the, the restaurant, the bar, like, you know, like a scene. Well, a lot of, I, cause a lot of people don't respond well to that. You know, that's funny. I know. I, I know. Like, I mean, I just, we have the chain of command in place. They know they're, they're very well of that one. And like, again, I'm super approachable. So it's not like, you know, Oh, don't look at your chief in the eyes kind of thing. Right. So, I mean, you know, I talk to everyone and they call me when their cars break down or, you know, they get pulled over by police. I go get them out, whatever. But, uh, one, one thing I always get on to them about, is you know in our meetings it's like just don't be late. I was like, my God, I had to be at the <laughs> I had to be at the station at seven AM, you know, and I was never late ever, not once. So like you must be at work at four PM. There's no reason right, right. you need to be late. Like, you know. So, <laughs> so you had, you're that. handing out AWOLs and paperwork? I mean, I swear that's what <laughs> like what what is it like five minutes you're late, thirty minutes is AWOL or whatever. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, we don't have a, I just, I try and, you know, run a tight ship, but still just be a nice guy. I, I think it's possible. I think we'll see. All right. So in having the, the bars and stuff like that and the employees, it sounds like you had a lot of, you know, things to go outside of, you know, the fire department. So it almost distracts you and, and it obviously is going to provide you a lifestyle and stuff like that, that you can still do. Sure. So other firefighters, other people that read your post or, or listen to this podcast or listen to other times that you're going to speak, you know, what advice would you give them if they don't have like that outlet, like you have a bar, you know, what, what would you say that would encourage them to maybe seek out some kind of help or, or what do you, advice do you have for them? Like those that reti- are retiring, or? or if they have, you know resign, or that you know they're Resi- I just their, cu- their just... cup is getting full, and th- but they don't, oh, they don't necessarily yeah. have something to, to go to like you did. Uh, I mean, short. I mean, this, I'm not not to be insensitive. I find something. I mean, find something in your life that that you want to do that you know that you think would make a difference. It does, you know, it just doesn't have to be in this field. It could be 
something similar. Um, a friend of mine who had enough recently, he'd been on about seven years in, in the worst, you know, the busy neighborhoods. And he left and he's in nursing school and I see him at the gym and he couldn't be happier. You know, he's a, I mean, he's a kid, he's 29, 30, but you know, he, his cup got full pretty quick of this stuff. And he's, you know, he shifted over to, you know, something probably pays a little bit better. I don't know. He gets sleeping in his own bed at night. Right. But yeah, I guess the simple advice is just to find, find something that works for you. Well, and I, you know, as people leave our department, which we've, this year we've had a, a higher attrition rate than normal. And, um, some of the, some of the criticism, you know, is, you know, why are we, le- when I talk to people that are leaving, I, I hope, and I, it's as sincere as it can be. I hope they find what they're looking for. Sure. I really want them to be happy and successful, whether they're leaving for another department, whether they're leaving the fire service uh, for good, you know, I, I, I seriously just want them to find whatever it is that they're, they're hoping to find. And as much as I love the department and I love the fire service and, and, you know, maybe we are going to be not as good as we were with them gone, but at the same respect, I, you know, I, I guess it's that brotherhood or the sisterhood thing that I just, I want them to prosper, you know? Absolutely. Most of the people I know that have left have done it to go to other departments, um, be it for money or close to home. So, in, in Birmingham, the people I know leaving, very very few are just like, I'm out of the fire service. I mean, I'm, you know. Right. So, but yeah, you, you always want people to find what's happening. You know, and I, I know some that are like, oh, I regretted leaving. Wish I'd never left. Um, you know. So that's why I, I made sure, you know, I took that, you know, that when I made the decision to leave, I just want to make sure it was the right one. And uh, I stand by it. Yeah, and you said you took a sabbatical before you mm-hmm. made that ultimate decision. Right. I, I didn't want to do anything rash, uh, right. you know, because I've been known to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've done, done many things very rash, very off the cuff, you know, for the moment. And some have worked out and some have not. Right. So this one this one was that important to me. I didn't, I didn't want to walk away and then regret for the rest of my life, you know. But then – flip side uh, i didn't want to stay in the great thing so did anybody at the station try and talk you out of it uh, a couple of those guys my friends i mean I, I hate to be this way i was a good lieutenant to work for you know what i'm saying right like i like to work i would you know i'd get on to them but i would just uh, i'm still friends with them i maintain that you know i'm in charge but you know i'm gonna be a jerk and you know salute me and all that stuff uh so yeah, a few of them, but uh, once I went on a sabbatical, you know, we'd talk about it. I came on when I got promoted, it was a class of good that they promoted, I think 40 of us at once to Lieutenant and uh, a couple of the guys that we talk with every day that I got promoted with. And uh, they were like, man, I just, I really try to hold out. And I was like, no, I'm not holding out four more years, man. I mean, if this was like a few months, I'd do one thing, but that's four years of my life. And I just, I don't have it in there. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like a downer, am I? I can't no, like no, 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 no. <laughs> like, oh, no, poor George. I, no, I, I honestly, I mean, I, I, I kind of find uh, what you're describing kind of to be inspiring in a way. Not me, man. I'm, I'm about to retire. You've got me depressed as shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not yet. 
<laughs> no, I mean, I I think it's. What are you gonna do now? I have no idea. Really? Yeah, I could go into another another fire department, maybe, or you know, looking at a completely different industry. You know, I have a 26 year old son that owns his own business, and he his whole thing is is like, listen, you got the money coming in now from your retirement. Pick something you enjoy. Pick something that you know sure. feeds your soul or whatever. You know, and and so that's he's like, you have the time to be selective. And that's really what it is, yeah. you know. So, I'm, like I said, tomorrow will be the the last day I actually go to the station, and I actually the, come off the books in December. Then I'll just take the holidays off, and then you know, be selective and looking for the next next challenge, you know. And if it, I get it for a year, and it doesn't fit me, and it's not something I like, or I've got to wear a tie, or I have to sit at you know a desk or something like that, and I don't like it, I'll stop and do something else. I'd love to Absolutely. do more of this, more of the podcast. I mean, the podcast is really the passion project, and you know, sure, sure. It, I'd have the time to be able to do more of it, and you know, more right. interviews. Like next we're time, uh, next time someone asks you what you're going to do, tell me whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been doing that. You know, people, are, what are you going to do? I was just like, whatever I want, man. <laughs> yeah, you said you took a sabbatical. I, I pretty much have been working like a week, uh, two weeks on, two weeks off for the whole year. You know, so in a way, I kind of did. Right. Too. I kind of eased into the whole sure. thing uh, throughout this this year and. There's a part of me that it's bittersweet. You know, this is a tough lifestyle to give up. You know, you get, you get so used to it, almost sure. in, institutionalized yeah, into it. Uh, they, I, I said that exact same thing to so many people is that that's how it felt. And when, when I got away from that, I felt, you know, those, that sabbatical was, I, I felt like I'd been institutionalized and that like, you know, I, by not being there, I was doing something wrong because, you know, that, you know, black market, I'm, I don't have a boss, you know, I'm the chore. So, right. you know, I, I did not have that, you know, I've got to report in, I've got to, you know, like, okay, it's 11 o'clock. I need to get in bed because I need to get up and go to the fire station. Like I still had that, those feelings of, you know, a regimen with that job. Yeah, that's but, a part uh, of me too. Like, especially when when guys call me up about problems that are going on in the department or something like that, and I almost feel like I'm letting them down because I'm not there to help them out or help them through that uh, a little bit. But you know, at the end of the day my time is going to come just like everybody's time is going to come and they're going to replace me. They're going to put another guy in my spot, uh, you know, tomorrow they're not going to build any statues of me or anything like that. So this is just sure. a, a season in my life. and I totally have enjoyed it and had a blast and, you know, try to make the most of it as much as I could, but you know, now it's time to go to the next chapter and enjoy myself. Yeah. Um, what's your son's business? You all I'm asking. <laughs> he, uh, he's a, uh, iOS developer. He writes iPhone apps. He has his own app. Uh, oh, I guess we man. can we plug it on here. I guess Why not? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's Hop Up is the name of it. Uh, it's it's a pretty big pretty big app. It's it's a nationwide app. Uh, it's similar to like a Craigslist, but it sells uh, all the stuff for Airsoft, all the the gun parts and guns and BBs and all that okay. kind of stuff. Yeah, wow. Smart smart, smart kid. Man, he's kid. I asked him if he'd hire me. He said, "Hell no." <laughs> <laughs> he said he'll get back to you <laughs> yeah but that's just too shave because when he was about 16 he said could he come on the fire department I said not my fire department <laughs> not ruining my reputation <laughs> but he's actually a great kid man he's got a great work ethic and has done really well for himself I couldn't be proud I'll look at that app and we're done that's awesome well George I was saying that you know I, I think your story is inspiring and I, I hope our listeners um, see in it the the self-awareness that you had, the, the real examining, what, what was it that you enjoyed about it? What was it that you didn't, you know, when is it the right time to step away? I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge thing. 
Yeah. Uh, because right. I think so many of them get trapped in it that it's just, it is part of their identity. They can't walk away from that. The, the institutionalization of it, you know, the, the going, that every, was easy to say. I know I really <laughs> fucked that up. Uh, the, every third day, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it becomes this thing that you're expected to do, I guess. And, and then they're the right. a-hole that you have to deal with every shift when you come in, you yeah. know, because they're just the grumpiest bastard. Cause they can't, they don't have anything else to do. Right. So yeah, being able to to kind of look at that from the outside, I think that's a a, a real talent, and I, I I hope other people can do that. I'm not trying to talk anybody out of the fire service, but I just no, of course not. I just think you know be realistic about why you're here. If you're here, be here, and if you need to be somewhere else, be somewhere else. And I like the thing that you're talking to about, you know, having more facets to your life than just being a firefighter, you Amen. know, have, have, you know, feed that other parts of yourself, you know, whether it's, you know, what you do at your church or, you know, you know, some other hobby that you have or whatever, you know, but your whole identity doesn't necessarily be, it need to be wrapped up in this. It's a big job. It's an important job, but there's, it's going to end at some point. You need to be able to go on. One thing that really strokes my ego of, about the attention that they got was when people that were not in the fire service or the police or military and they would write to me and say that what I wrote resonated with them because they'd been you know doing XXX for a job and they'd come to the point where they felt like they'd let them let the job define who they were and they got something you know while they didn't know anything about the fire department they they saw that you know they got something about what I wrote is like, don't let a job define who you are. You know, you have to find out who you want to be, you know, the meaning of your life, so so to speak. So. Well, and that's the, you know, the fire service for me, hopefully isn't the, I've still got about two more years. I don't consider the fire service the end of my whatever. It's just the the chapter that I'm in right now. And hopefully there's another chapter after this. I I like to joke that I'm going to be a public's bag boy, you know, paper, plastic, (laughs) ma'am. Do you need help? Do you need help to your car? Okay, have a nice day. You know, but uh, I, I hope there'll be something. But I, I'm a little bit like you. I enjoy writing. I really do. That that to me is is one of those things that uh, provides me kind of that relief and release. It, it's a it it's a good outlet. It really is. I mean, with the you know, you think you're good at it or not. I, I had no idea, you know, whenever, whenever I post something or a book comes out, I, I have no idea what people are going to think. So, um, well, we were talking about that right before we, uh, we gave you the call. We were talking about the, the, how you must've felt putting that out there and not, I would assume not being sure of what the response you were going to get was going to be. It, it was something else. I, I, I remember I'd read it. And I thought my, my wife always reads everything before I let anyone see it. She read it. She's like, I think it's perfect. You know, she fixed all the, the commas and periods for me. <laughs> and uh, she said, post it. And she's like, I, I think it's going to get a reaction, is what she said. And I was like, okay, good or bad. She's like, probably both. And I was like, you know, we were both like, fuck them. You know. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I put it out there and 15 minutes later, uh, you know, that's when AL.com reached out to me and said, can we repost this? I was like, really? 15 minutes. It was 15 minutes. And I was like, sure. You you got the right guy, right? I mean, I was like, (laughs) I mean, it was, it was so fast. And from that, it just took off. And, you know, strangers were coming from the street like, Hey, I read that. So. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I, well, just curious, what got you into writing? 
you know, just I don't even know. I just uh, comic books. Absolutely, I read comic books as a kid, and just like you know, I'm gonna start writing comic books, and then I got a little older. I was like, I'm gonna start reading, you know, just tons and tons of books. What's your favorite hoot superhero? I was an X Men guy, real big X-Men comic book in in the comic book world. X Men, uh, not the movies didn't necessarily run it for me, but um, big comic book guy. And if I had to pick one now, personally, the Hulk. <laughs> Yeah. I had a poster I'd move in my, in my cubicle back before I got promoted and uh, it was the Wolverine first appearance you know which is where he fought the Hulk, Hulk yeah. and they've they still got it they got that whole cubicle still it looks like a, a teenage boy's room in there it's just covered in comic <laughs> book posters and stuff like that so some good stories in comic books now oh man I know I know that, that'd be the dream I think to write comic books really I couldn't man, awesome. I mean I couldn't think of a better job. I mean, if you got paid, like, oh, man, wow. Make a fireman comic book, a fireman co- uh, superhero comic book, and all the crazy That's shit good. we do. <laughs> mm-hmm. One day we had a conversation here about having an episode about, like, all the shenanigans we do in the station, and I was like, yeah, we don't need to tell the public about that. <laughs> no, no. Uh, that, that goes back to the dark humor that you can't really Yeah, it just, home it just doesn't fit anywhere that. else, man. Only in firehouses at work. Like, yeah. They're like, you think it's funny that blah, blah, blah? Like, well, it's not that I think it's funny to do that, or I'm just going to ball up and, you know, cry. Yep. Well, listen, George, we really appreciate you joining and uh, talking to us. And um, I want you to, uh, you've written two books. If you'd like to plug those, we'd love to let our listeners know about them. And of course, your restaurant again. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, we've written two books. Uh, they're called An Account of Nothing and Unsung and Uncounted. And uh, well, the easiest way to get them is they're on Amazon. Uh, they were on a small press called Banner Press, but again, Amazon's the best way to go for that. And the restaurant, which keep me busy, are Black Market Bar and Grill in Birmingham, Alabama. There's two locations. And uh, I'm quite proud of them. They look like a punk rock, comic book nerd, reading guy. <laughs> well, I don't get to Birmingham as much as I used to. I had grandparents that that actually lived over uh, near Hoover. Um, okay, yeah, fifteen minutes. Yeah, and uh, but they passed away a few years ago, so I don't get over as much as I used to. But if I get over, I'm definitely going to come uh, come visit you at or well, if you're there, I'll come visit the restaurant. Maybe you'll be there. Yeah, but, no, absolutely. Uh, Give me a heads up. I'm I'm always there. I live I live about ten minutes from both of them, so. Okay. Man, I got a lot of free time. I'm coming over. <laughs> Bring it. Come on over. Bring your 30 year pen. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, we also Is got that what they give you guys? I mean, what, 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 did you get a belt? I mean, what what they give you? You know, like. Well, I hadn't finished yet. I got, oh, I got one more shift. I got one more shift. And then, like I said, I come off the books in December. We'll see. Okay. We'll see what happens after that. Hopefully, I, hopefully right. I don't do something crazy in that last 12 hours. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. I won't. This episode won't come out until after that happens anyway. So, Are you kidding? This is coming out in like in a couple days. It's tomorrow, dude. All right. All right. All right. So I've got a couple of questions for you, too, that we're going to ask, uh, that we asked most of our uh, guests. Uh, Bring it. What's your favorite word or phrase on the fire ground? Favorite? Yeah. Uh, I saw that. that we're going offensive. Really going offensive? Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh wow! We're, we're That's going just inside. Defensive at first, I was like, "Wait a minute, we have the wrong guy out here." <laughs> defensive, no. But it, I used to love, uh, used to love being on the nozzle and, and just getting it. Like we're going in and just just go straight up. Uh, I developed a knack for breaking down doors, and you know, just that's that was it. I, I thought that's one of the biggest rushes in life was to be that first one in in the door, and that, and that house is on fire. Right. Man, I mean, there's no. Whew. I mean, you guys have been there. Yeah, right. yeah. It is an amazing, amazing feeling. You it know? is. And I, and not, I'm not, not some badass. I'm not some tough guy. I tell my friends is that all the fires I've been in, I can see the fire, and I'm inside. I've never been worried. At the times that I get kind of weird is when you're in there and it is pitch black, and you know it's burning. And you can't yeah. see it. That's when. Yeah. And that's when I'm going around. But when, when you can see what you're fighting, and you've got water in your hands, I mean, it's just. Okay, I mean water. Water beats fire. Yeah, yeah. It's just so much simpler, like you said, when you have that, you know, that visible fire, and you're putting it out, and you can see it going out. It does make things a lot simpler than when you have to chase it around. I mean, chase it. I mean, just the hesitant. You don't know if you're, you know, about to walk in the, you know, the unfinished floor or who knows what. If fire's under you, if you can't find it, it's like that's when it's like, okay, he's a little hairy. Yeah. What's your least favorite word or phrase on the fire ground? Fucking staging. Uh, <laughs> that's the first time I we've had that one. Yeah, that's that's the first one. That's pretty good. Uh, how? <laughs> I, I can't stand it. I, I can't. I mean, like, they started doing that staging where, I mean, the house would be burning and they wouldn't have a squat for you, so you just have staging. And I got, you know, I had battalion chiefs I didn't get along with, or one in particular. And, of course, it was the one that was over me. So, you know, just out of spite, he just had a stage and, you know, it drove me crazy. I mean, just, just standing on the sidelines, you know. Okay. Yeah, we have a funny story. We we had a squad truck, and so they told the squad to stage, and they're like, uh, "All right, we're staging squad A. What about squad B?" And the, and the chief came back and said, "Squad A through Z, stay in staging." <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. That's funny. Uh, engine or truck? All day, every day, forever, engine. Yeah, when you said nozzle, <laughs> uh, I knew you were going to say engine. Uh, uh, I've got. I was on engine nineteen for most of my career, and that's 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 it's in East Lake. It's in a bad neighborhood. It's a neighborhood I grew up in, and uh, I've got it. I've got a tattoo on my wrist, D nineteen. I'll, I'll never, never forget it. Truck guys, more power to them. But I mean, you know, that true truck work and all that, they can have it. You know. <laughs> I want to be there and, and, and take that nozzle and run right through the house. So, how big a fellow are you, by the way? Six five, two forty. Damn. Wow. Uh, so usually, to me, I always see engine. I think of engine guys as smaller guys. Yeah. You're a big fellow. Yeah, you're, you're more of a big guy. Guy. Um, Yeah, they, uh, they, you know, they, are you interested in the trucks? I'm like, nope. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. just, back they, Birmingham kind of got away from putting the bigger guys on trucks back in the day. They just started sticking people where they wherever they wanted them, and. Uh, so, is that more of a cultural thing in rescue. Birmingham? Is uh, the engine work part versus the truck work? Uh, the truck guys here—they've got a little thing called the—I can't remember the name of it—the truck something, where they try and push, you know, like ventilating on roofs and stuff like that. But you know, Birmingham's just pretty much told them they'll never get to do that. So, uh, and it's a shame, you know. I mean, there's you know, there's a need for that stuff sometimes. I mean, like just to automatically rule it out, but. Yeah, I think Again, each department kind of has their own nuances, you know, you know, 
that's in the engine and truck thing. Sometimes, you know, some some right. trucks are just manpower, so people yeah. really aren't interested in it. So, but I figure with you being with Birmingham, you probably had a better understanding of what we meant by that. Uh, sure. What motivates you? Uh, I really, really am in the idea of trying to my my family. Uh, my I grew up that my daughter. I grew up in my whole career was you know the idea of, of making her proud of me. I'm impressing her, her and my wife, my dad, upholding his name. That's always motivated me, not just in the fire service too, but just with everything. You know, I still like, you know, I talk to my parents every day, but you know, and something that, you know, I get promoted, I would call them, hey, I got promoted, hey, you know, hey, the ball got voted, you know, the best brunch in town or, you know, whatever. Uh, we're the 23rd dive bar in the country and then like wow. ninth best brunch. I mean, we get, it's it's what I mean. You know, it's just every now and then I'll I really like one that we get. And I'll throw it on a t-shirt or something. But you know, it's just still. I'm not. That's pretty cool, man. The short answer, my family. So okay. What's cliches, your, I do. What's your favorite book? I knew you guys were going to ask this. Not one of your own, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> my, those aren't even in the top hundred. You know, uh, there's a book. I love reading. I love it. I mean, I, I, I read so, that's probably my nerd hobby. But I'm going to go with a book called, it's called Tapping the Source, and it's by this guy named Kim Nunn, and it's just about this teenage boy's search for his missing sister. And it, it's so much more than that, like just the culture he has to go into. And I, I've read it a couple times, and I've always gotten a lot out of it. Okay. Right. Anyhow, Check it out. Well, this is kind of it's not going to fit because you are going to have this answer for me. But what profession would you most want to do if you weren't a firefighter? So I guess you're going to kind of you've kind of already have that one. Yeah, I kind of already have that one, but I can also say not a police officer. So I, I can never. <laughs> I'm with you, ever, on that one, brother. I can't do that. Either. Do that. <laughs> I, I've got so many friends that are cops, and you know, like we'll we'll be on these these scenes, and the people be in their face just screaming at them, and. You know, I'm just, I'm just a standard take care. I mean, you know, like, man, I'm trying to write this down. You know, right. I don't know. Yeah, you can get all the free coffee and donuts you want, man. I don't, I, yeah, I, no, I, I can't not, take not that. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's not for me. Yeah. So, uh, if you were going to be introduced as a keynote speaker at FDIC, what song would they introduce you with? Uh, out of all the prep work I did for this, this podcast, I think my wife and I spent the most time on this question. <laughs> I tell you, man, I, this one stumps everybody. I don't know why. We had one guy that answered it immediately, and he scared me to death with his answer. What was his answer? Silence. <laughs> I thought he was a psycho, man. I was like, I got to get out of this room. Huh. Uh, we had to narrow out all the silly answers at first, and I went through all the, like, the booty rap songs that we jokingly were talking about. And then our... Uh, then all the songs that were obscure metal and punk that no one would know of. So we came up with uh, Born to Run, Cuff Springsteen. Born to Run. Okay. Yeah, just the, those guitars may kick in. I think that'd be a good intro. Yeah, I mean, you threw out Sid Vicious and your plug and, you know, Sinatra. So I figured, you know, we had a wide array. Yeah, uh, that's what I always tell people my music. Like, I'm uh, a music whore. I listen to so much different stuff. But my main, you know, I grew up punk rock and metal and all that. But somehow Springsteen edged all that out, and he's my number one. So, I mean, it's, so what? What do you play in the restaurants? Uh, we, we're all over the place. Trains, I mean, apparently. 
Yeah, no kidding. Actually, I'm up in my office, and the, the one train comes out when I call you guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's the second time we've heard it, so maybe it's the same train. Oh, coming. yeah. He's I coming know. back and I forth. <laughs> Just like you guys know, I'm a, I'm a conductor. <laughs> <laughs> That's the job you wanted. <laughs> a train conductor. Only in charge of silencing them. They're supposed to be putting the rails up so they quit blowing the horns over here, but they haven't done it yet. So, wow. so with the writing and everything and the, and the fire service and the bars, how do you want to be remembered? Uh, someone made a difference. Someone that will be missed when he's gone, but maybe the world's a little bit better for him being in it. Not saying that's gonna happen. I'm just saying it'd be nice to be remembered that way. Well, I think with what you've shared and your experiences, it sounds like you have. Yeah. Thank and you. uh just the fact that you put it down in, in words and wrote it out, uh, I think that's also, you know, it, it demonstrates the difference that you've made. I mean, like I said, the the number of shares and the comments that you got on your Facebook page is is a testament to that. So hats off well, to you. One thing, and this is, well, thank you. About all those shares and stuff, we were kind of looking around at them. And, you know, and they got a lot. And that was, uh, it was super great. And then my wife stumbled across a firefighter in Tallahassee. No mutual friends. But I don't know him. He doesn't know me. And he put it out there. And his got shared 1,300 times. Wow. I know. And I was like, that was, I was like, that's more than mine. I, was like, this guy? I, was like, I looked him up. I thought like maybe he's in a band or an actor or something. And, and now I just, I just, people just like him. I mean, that's awesome. I know. I was like, I mean, I was happy about it, but I'm like, wow. You know, that's the, that's the cool part about, you know, and it takes a lot of courage to do what you did, you know, put, you put your feelings out there and, you know, your thoughts and whatever. And then you just don't know where it goes from there, you know, how it touches sure. people and then it keeps growing and has a life of its own once you, once you put yeah. it out there. So that's great that, uh, you know, you had that experience with that individual. To, I know. Thank you. It was, it was very humbling. I, I loved it. I loved it. hearing from people all over the country, uh, firefighter in Germany wrote me. I mean, it just, it went all to the weirdest places. That's awesome. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, here's to, I mean, it's only been out for like two weeks. So yeah, exactly. There's no telling where else it'll go. Sure. Uh, I was sitting in the parking lot of the gym the other day making my little playlist, and he startled me, came up to my window, and I was scared I'd never seen him before. And he said that he was in uh, paramedic school, and the chief of the department came in and told him that they all had to read it that night. And I was like, what the fuck? That's <laughs> awesome. I mean, I was just like, uh, you know, I mean, there was some kids all my life, and he can't fly. I don't know. So that that was neat. Yeah, it, it's going to weird places, and and I'm very happy with that. So, well, again, we really appreciate you taking time. To talk I got to one us. more, Bill. Oh shit! I'm sorry. Fuck. Man. Calm yourself. That came over the table out of me. <laughs> if you had to go back and give your rookie <laughs> self one piece of advice, what would it be? That's a good question. Well, go back and read what you just wrote. I I know. I mean. <laughs> Be prepared for anything. Maybe it's not that I would, but time travel. If I went back and did it all again, I would be like, you you do have to play the part a little bit more than I did as far as being political with things. I I was not any good at that. You know, I was just nice to everyone and, and damn the consequences. And I don't know. Sometimes maybe I don't see bigger picture stuff. But, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm sorry if I don't have a good answer for it. That's all right. That's a, that's a good. Any answer is a good answer. 
Honest yeah. answers are good answers. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Honest answers are. All right, that was the last one, Bill. Sorry, we can. All right, we can well, wrap this up now. Well, then we'll we'll thank George again, and we can't we can't thank you enough though. Really, uh, in all seriousness, yeah, this has been great, man. I really appreciate. Oh, you it's my, my 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 pleasure. Uh, I really really appreciate you guys wanting to talk to me, and, and thinking I'm interesting enough to talk to you. Y'all may change your minds and listen to some reviews, but uh, yeah, thank you. Combustible is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to Combustible to make sure you don't miss out on an episode. Follow us on Facebook so we know how many of you listeners there are out there. And you can check us out online at CombustibleThePodcast.com. As always, we would like to thank the Golden Dogs and True North Records for letting us use their song Saints at the Gates for our theme music. You can find the Golden Dogs music on any streaming platform. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you later.